Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Over the past few weeks in the gospel, we have been learning from Jesus. He's been teaching us about the importance of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, last week, we learned about how the Eucharist is our bread for the journey. First, from the story of Elijah, in which Elijah is nourished by God in his walk through the desert. And because God nourishes him, he is able to reach his destination, which is the mountain where God is. Well, we learned that the Eucharist is just that. Jesus' body and blood helps us, you know, for the journey of life so that we don't give up, that we have the strength to continue to persevere through challenges of life and, like Elijah, to meet our destination, which lies in heaven. Now, in this weekend's gospel, Jesus is talking about the Eucharist again the importance of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But this weekend, Jesus tries to address it in a different way, in which he tries to teach us about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Essentially, what we refer to as our doctrine of the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, I think these gospel passages help us to renew our love of the Eucharist in our life. Now, for myself, it happened about a year and a half ago. Around this time, I was called out to a person that was in need of anointing of the sick. They were suffering from a debilitating disease. When I arrived at the person's house, I realized that Jane, who was the person I needed to visit and anoint, was suffering from a very debilitating disease, which was Lou Gehrig's. It first attacked her esophagus and her voice box in which she was no longer able to speak. And she was weakened by this condition that she was pretty much bed bound. It was strenuous for her to even stand up, let alone walk around in a room. And so as I visited her, she communicated with me through a board, a cork board in which she was able to write on. And so we exchanged you know, pleasantries, and after a while, we had a very nice conversation. She told me a lot about herself. I told her a lot about myself, and it was very nice. Now, towards the end of the visit, just like all my visits, we pray, and then I administer the communion, the body of Christ, to the person. Well, we did the same thing, and we pray the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the Glory Be. And then after that, I always go into my pocket and grab the picks that contains the body of Christ. And I was about to open it up and she started gesturing me, no, 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 no. And then she wrote down, I cannot eat because my esophagus is paralyzed. So then I closed the picks and I was about to put it back in my pocket. And then she gestures, no, 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 no. And she wrote down, please open the picks up. 
so that I may see my Lord. And so I opened the pics up. And as I did that, she looked at it with such awe and amazement. She radiated a great smile on her face. And there was no words that need to be spoken. You could see she truly believed in the presence of Christ before her. Then she reached out and she touched the host. And in doing so, it was almost like she was touching the life or the person of Jesus Christ himself. And then she radiated again, this great smile on her face. Well, as I was about to leave, she wrote down on her pad, she said, please come again and remember to bring the Lord with you. And I said I would. Well, I began to visit her on a regular basis. Every week or two weeks, I would come and visit her for several months. And yet, after almost a year, her disease took the best of her, and she died from it. And yet, I'll never forget every visit that I had with her. She always did the same thing. She always had me open up the pics. She looked at it, and there was this great radiation of joy that came from her. And you could see she truly believed in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And that Christ was with her. And that's why she was so happy. Towards the end of my visits with her, I would say it was maybe the last or the second last visit. I told her, I thanked her for the friendship that she gave me. And that how she renewed within me, you know, the great love that I have for the Eucharist, just like she does. Well, she wrote on her tablet, she thanked me for friendship. And she said, thank you for bringing the Lord into my house and into my heart. And I'll never forget that. I think those are the times in which we need to be renewed. Renewed for our love of the Eucharist, ourself. And I think that's what the Gospels have been doing for the past few weeks. Now, take the Gospel passage for this weekend. Jesus teaches the people again, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Now, we listen to that with 21st century ears, and we know exactly what Jesus is talking about. The Eucharist. As we come before the Lord at every Mass, we receive his body and his blood. And so we know exactly what Jesus is referring to. But put yourself in the place of the audience. Think of it. You are a first century Palestinian Jew who are standing next to Jesus, and you are listening to this for the very first time and you know nothing about the Eucharist like we do in our day and age. And when you hear this, I don't know about you, but I would find this very troublesome, in fact, unnerving, that Jesus wants to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is he wants us to cannibalize him. That's why it says the Jews quarreled among themselves. Now, the other thing that you have to realize if you are a first century Palestinian Jew and a devout Jew, you could not eat the meat of an animal that was tainted by its own blood, let alone the, the meat of a human being. If you look at the Old Testament, there are Jewish laws in Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy that expressly forbid the eating of meat that is tainted by the blood of an animal. Now, why is this? Because the ancient people, just like us, we believe that blood is a symbol of life. Now, I always love that great advertisement from the Red Cross. 
Give the gift of life. Give blood. Well, that is tr so true. It's simple, succinct, and to the point. Well, the ancient people believed that. Blood meant life. Now, not to be sarcastic, but we all have seen rare steaks in a restaurant. The steak is on the plate and there's blood around it. Well, if you were to eat that as a Jew, you would essentially be offending God. Why? Because blood meant life and God was the source of all life. And so if you ate that meat, you would be taking life into yourself, which was a great offense to God. That's why this was strictly forbidden. And see, this is why the Jews, it says, quarreled among themselves. Now, knowing this, does Jesus soften the language? Does he back off? Does he water it down to help them understand? No, on the contrary, you could say he turns it up a notch. He intensifies the message. He says again, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, the Greek word that he uses here, to eat, is tragon. What he should have used is the Greek word phagon. That's the verb that properly describes how human beings eat. You know, you and I have eaten breakfast or lunch. We would use the verb phagon. But tragon is used for how animals eat. It means ripping apart or gnawing at. Now, with that, take that into the translation. Whoever gnaws at my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Well, I don't know about you, but this would be horrific if I were to hear this myself. Now, what are we to make of this? How are we to understand this? Well, being in the 21st century, we understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. We have hundreds of years of theology and writings from saints and popes and bishops about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And that's what Jesus is trying to help us understand. So we as Catholics must embrace these words. More to it, we must resist any attempts to soften the language. This reaffirms our doctrine on the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Thomas Aquinas once said, if you look at all the sacraments except the Eucharist, you see the divine operative power of God. Say, for example, baptism or essentially confirmation. You see the force of God, you know, instilling upon us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Aquinas would say, but it's only in the Eucharist where you see the true presence of Christ. See, what we have to realize the Eucharist cannot be a sign amongst many signs in our church. It can't be an inspiring symbol amongst many symbols in our church. No. The Eucharist is at the very heart of our faith in our church. It truly is Christ, his body and his blood. See, that's what we can take from this. Last week, we recognized how the Eucharist has a transformative effect, changes us throughout our lifetime, so that at the end of our life, when we have completed our life's journey, now we're ready. We're ready for the next step, to enter into the world of heaven. Well, now we recognize how that works. It is through the presence of Jesus Christ, his body and blood, that we take in every time we gather for Mass. And see, it is these teachings of Christ that have echoed through our church for centuries on end. The apostles proclaimed it at the very beginning of our church. 
Saints wrote about the Eucharist for centuries on end. Our martyrs died for their love of the Eucharist. And now we, every time we gather for Mass, we reaffirm with one faith and with one voice our belief and love in the Eucharist. For me, it was a woman, Jane. As I visited her for several weeks, several months, she reaffirmed in me my love for the Eucharist. Well, I would argue every time we gather for Mass, whether it's on a weekend or a weekday, we help each other. We renew one another's love for the Eucharist and how it is such a great gift for us all in helping us grow in our faith. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.